Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salaamun ala ibadihi alladhina istafa. Khususan ala sayyidir rusuli wa khatamil anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. The stories of the companions of Rasulullah are endless when it comes to sacrifice, devotion, endearing patience in times of difficulty. Their reservoir of love was never ending. How far they were willing to go for their akhirah in reality is unimaginable. The sacrifices they took on with honor for the sake of the deen and particularly for serving Rasulullah was not begrudgingly done. Rather, it was something that they did out of passion. They made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these moments. They did it with such grace and honor they served Rasulullah with such humility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved those moments for us so that today when we reflect over them, we find inspiration, we find peace, and we find a path that we should adopt to walk on while we live these temporary few years in this dunya. The great Sahabi Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu is one who had a unique honor of serving Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam not because he did something not because he was the one that called Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam or he pulled Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his direction but rather his Genuine sincerity was such, he was so mukhlis, so humble, so willing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delivered the greatest of all gifts right to his doorstep. When the Prophet sallallahu entered into Medina Munawwara after spending a few days in Quba, just outside of Medina, the leaders of the Ansar gathered on the streets, each one hoping 
that their tribe would be honored to host Rasulullah So their tribe would gain a merit that they were unique in. And every time someone reached forward to the camel of Rasulullah trying to pull it in the direction of their tribe, of their people, saying, O Messenger of Allah, come to us, we will be here in great numbers and we will be your protection. Al-adad wal-mana'ah. To that, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say, Da'uha fa'innaha ma'mura. Leave my camel, for it has been commanded. And just as a mother has no choice in her child, just as a father has no choice in his child, that child is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a similar manner, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam appeared in front of the house of Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu an, while all eyes of Medina Munawwa are right on him. As the Prophet of Allah passes a community, and their community will not be the one that will host him, they are sad. You can see it on them that they've missed an opportunity. But they're wishing to see, they're glancing to see who will be the one that receives this honor. The Prophet Alayhi's camel arrives right before the house of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari and settles down there. So now Abu Ayyub al-Ansari almost unimaginable the amount of joy. He is no leader of a tribe. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it to him. And because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to who he wills, just as a risala, prophethood, is granted to the most sincere servants of Allah Azawajal. The khidmah of Risala is then granted to the generation that is most sincere following the Prophets. And like this, the generations continue and every person who has the honor of serving this deen in reality is selected by Allah Azawajal. Our teachers would say to us that if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gives you an opportunity to serve the deen, never walk away from it. Someone gives you a job, you don't walk away from it. Someone gives you a house, you don't walk away from it. Someone gives you a car, you don't walk away from it. The thing about these things that, is that they're material. So their benefit will surely come to an end. But when it comes to studying the deen, worshipping Allah, serving the deen, the benefit is eternal. كُلُّ مَنَا عَلَيْهَا وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Anything done for Allah, who was ever living, everlasting, that action will also find itself in the Akhirah. It's as if that action becomes timeless now. The reward of that action will benefit you in the dunya and also in the next. So don't turn away when khidmah comes knocking on your door, when opportunity comes to your door. Everyone knows how to talk about their yesterday. That yesterday I was this, when I was younger I did this, and when I was younger I did that. Not too many people have much to talk about in the present. Because we live in the glory days, that when I was young I did these things, in my past I did these things. Think about your today, what are you doing today? Where is your life today? Think of the opportunities you have now. How can you be a khadim and servant of this deen? How can you be a host to the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in today's world? 
most people only know how to cry over a blessing when it's gone. Very few know how to appreciate it while it is alive in front of them. In Arabic, they say, النِّعْمَةُ إِذَا فُقِدَتْ عُرِفَتْ That when a, when a blessing no longer exists, people then realize it. But, oh, what a blessing that actually was. Retrospectively, once the ego is down, once your kibbit is out of the way, and you look at something just holistically, once the nafs is gone, when, when a blessing's gone, the nafs directed towards that thing is also gone. So all you see now is that object, that thing, that person through the lens of the qalb. And very quickly do you realize that everyone around you is lovable now. Once the nafs is gone, it's so much easier to love other people. Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu an was one of the lucky companions to meet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prior to migration when the Prophet of Allah gave bay'ah to the Madani companions as they invited him to relocate to Medina. His name is Khalid, the son of Zayd, the son of Kulayb bin Tha'laba bin Abdi Amr bin Auf bin Ghanam bin Malik bin Najjar. And therefore, in his nasab, you will see Abu Ayyub al Ansari. Then you will also see the word Najjar in there. This is because of his uh, forefathers. His ahadith are many. Naturally, he was the host of Rasulullah. So now he has an insight in the life of the Prophet of Allah. He sees things that others are not able to see. And through tonight's dars, we will peek into some of those unique moments that Abu Ayyub al-Ansari saw in the life of Rasulullah and then went on to narrate. When you look into the Masanid, the Musnad collections, you will find close to 155 narrations from Abu Ayyub al-Ansari From them, uh, many can also be found both in Bukhari and Muslim as well. When the Prophet arrived in Abu Ayyub al-Ansari home, he rushes to grab the belongings of the Prophet of Allah. And when he takes them inside, he has a two-story home, an upper floor and a lower floor. He takes the belongings of Rasulullah to the upper floor, but then Rasulullah says to him, that with the number of people that I will be visiting and the meetings that I need to have, living on the upper floor will be inconvenient. So then he relocates Rasulullah from the top floor to the bottom floor. Him and his wife then head on upstairs. When night settles in and they are kind of settling in upstairs, the thought occurs to them that if we walk upstairs, it'll disturb Rasulullah So they walk very carefully on the upper part of their feet, around the room, not in the center of the room, to cause any dust to settle on the Prophet One night, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari says, it was so difficult for us to be on that upper floor because how could we be on top of the Prophet 
how could we be on the upper floor and the Prophet of Allah was on the lower floor? They understood that this was the request of the Prophet of Allah, but this report of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari shows us that adab has no limits. When a person respects another person, when a person has adma waqar for another in their heart, when their heart looks at another person with reverence, now you begin to think of every small detail. So one night he says, we were upstairs and we had one sheet that we would cover ourselves with and accidentally a jug of water spilt. My wife and I begin to panic that what if the water falls through on Rasulullah so we took this one sheet we had and began to absorb the water into it. And then we no longer had anything to wrap ourselves in. So we slept the night very cold. But no water can reach Rasulullah We can sleep at cold. We can sleep cold. We can sleep lonely. But no noise should bother Rasulullah Abu Ayyub al-Ansari he then approaches Rasulullah and says, O oh, Messenger of Allah, I can't do this. I can't live with myself. I am above you. And this level of adab almost doesn't exist in our community anymore. In reality, forget this level of adab, no adab exists in our community anymore. When I look at younger folks in the West today, they have knowledge, some have education, some have wealth, but adab is what lacks. Basic things. Not knowing how to interact with your own parent. Not knowing the adab of interacting with your uncle, your aunt, your grandparent. How do you interact with elders in the masajid? It's very rare in today's world that you will find a young person hold the door open for a senior person that is walking right behind them on the way out of the masjid. You won't see that anymore. Everyone's lost in their own world and it's about the number one. So as long as you make it through that door, everyone else can find their own way out. You won't find people who when they see an elderly woman carrying bags at a Walmart, that they stop their life and say, let me carry this for you. This is adab and ihtiram. That when they see teachers, they humble their voice or they walk to the side of the path. That they present themselves in khidmah, that you are a person who's very important and there are things that are happening with you that I'll never be able to accomplish. Let me at least be of some assistance. This khidmah and this adab that you offer is actually the best way to rectify your heart. With arrogance and with self-obsession, there's only so far you can go. You have to turn these things back. You have to dial yourself back. And forget that you exist in the center of this equation and put everyone else in front of you. Now I know there's this common concern that what if people start abusing me? That's another story. That's a whole different conversation. We're not talking about that. In fear of that, don't lose the most beautiful thing that you can have in this dunya, prophetic akhlaq. That when you speak to your parents, there should be adab. Find me children who serve their parents food every time before they dare eat a morsel themselves. Where is that adab gone? Find me children who when they get themselves a cup of, cup of water, they go to their parent and give them a cup of water. Or when they gather, get themselves a coffee or a, a cold drink or anything, 
they take it for their teacher or an elder in the family, some elder in the community. These are adab that were once upon a time as normal as wearing garments are for us. It may sound foreign, it may sound weird, but that's because we live in a society where the young and the old are all one. The Prophet ﷺ told us that a time will come where the elder will no longer be respected anymore. Where young people feel they have a voice to raise and things to say and opinions to make very clear. When in reality we have examples from the Sahaba that they would not utter a word in the presence of the seniors. Even though they themselves were Sahaba. The easiest example of this would be Abdullah bin Umar Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar was sitting once in a gathering of the Prophet of Allah. All the Sahaba were there and the Prophet asked that there is a tree and then he described that tree and he said, which tree am I talking about? No one said anything. Abdullah bin Umar who was a young man at the time, he knew the answer. But he also knew that it wasn't his place to speak because in that gathering were Umar Baba, Abu Bakr Siddiq and other senior companions. After the gathering was over, he whispered in his dad's ear, he goes, I knew the answer. His dad said, what is it? He said he was talking about the palm tree. And Umar said, you should have said it. It would have made me proud. That was a father with his pride. But at the same time, he didn't say you should have said it because it was a right thing to do. As a father, that would have made me happy that my son, look at him, right? My son knows. But, at the same, but on the other hand, you see Ibn Umar one's intelligence. That you don't speak out of line. There's an adab you learn to stay quiet when you're sitting in a gathering. When we were young, I know in today's world, the statement is viewed in a different way, but when we were young, a common statement we heard from our elders were, was that when adults are talking, you should stay silent. In Urdu, there's a saying for this, that when the elders speak, the young one should stay quiet. They would always say this to us. So when we went to parties or gatherings or dawats, I remember very clearly, like it was yesterday, that all the uncles would be sitting on a table to eat and uh, we would be sitting on the side and just listening very attentively to their discussions, listening to their politics, listening to their talk about markets, and this natural conversation. But it was through listening and not uttering a word that you were able to gauge and understand the merit in a person's argument. You were able to see how some people were very bold and aggressive while other people were more soft and forbearant. You observe these things. And then from there, you made conscious decisions that this is what I want to be, and that's what I don't want to be. This is a sound argument. That is not a sound argument. Adab. The Quran is full of it. The hadith of Rasulullah is full of it. And without doubt, this was the reason that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delivered that camel to the house of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari He himself says, so he told the Prophet of Allah, O Messenger of Allah, we can't do this. And then he insisted, he said, O Messenger of Allah, I can't, I just can't. So to that, Rasulullah then agreed to live on that upper floor. He was honored with the very unique opportunity to host Rasulullah for seven or eight months. The duration that it took to build out Majd al-Nabwi in the Hujarat and the rooms around Majd al-Nabwi where later on the family members of Rasulullah would live. 
he has such fascinating and amazing memories to share. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari says that when the Prophet arrived in Medina, the companions would send food and gifts to the Prophet through us because we were the host of the Prophet so when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would be gifted food, naturally they would give some food to the host as well. قَالَ فَدَخَلَ أَبُوْ أَيُّوبَ يَوْمًا فَإِذَا قَصْعَةٌ فِيهَا بَصَلٌ فَقَالَ مَا هَذَا قَالُوا أَرْسَلَ بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ قَالَ فَاطَّلَ أَبُوْ أَيُّوبِ إِلَى النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ مَا مَنَعَكَ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْقَرْحِ قَالَ رَأَيْتُ فِيهَا بَصَلًا قَالَ وَلَا يَحِلُّنَا الْبَصَلُ قَالَ بَلَا فَكُلُهُ وَلَكِنْ يَغْشَانِي مَنْ لَا يَغْشَاكُمْ That one time Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent some food. So he passed it on to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu He noticed that the food was untouched and there was no disturbance there which meant the Prophet of Allah didn't eat it. So he went and said, O Messenger of Allah, why did you not eat from here? The Prophet alayhi salatu salam said, because there is onion in the food. So then he asked, O Messenger of Allah, is eating onion haram? To that Rasulullah said, no, you can eat it. However, I interact with those that you do not interact with. Referring to the Malaika. Similarly, Abu Ayyub al-Ansar says, and this one's even more interesting. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nazala alayhi fanazala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asfala wa abu ayyuba fil uluwi fantabaha abu ayyuba dhata laylatin faqala namshi fawqa rasulillah fatahawwala fabatu fi janibin falamma asbaha dhakara dhalika lin nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as-suflu arfaqu bi This is that part that I mentioned early to you guys that the Prophet alayhi salatu wassalam was on the lower floor and Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu an felt that it was disrespectful to be above the Prophet of Allah. So he presented his concern and the Prophet of Allah said, As-suflu that it's more convenient for me to be on the lower floor. So then he said, Abu Ayyub said, La I can't walk on a platform that you are under. It's just not gonna happen. So then they swapped places and Rasulullah then moved to the upper floor and Abu Ayyub al-Ansari was on the lower floor. So when the food, he would make food for the Prophet Nabi would eat. When the leftover food would come back to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari he would very carefully look for where there were finger marks of Rasulullah Where are those fingers? And wherever he saw the finger of Nabi wasallam that someone ate from here, he would pick a morsel up from exactly that place and he would eat. فَيَأْكُلُ مِنْ حَيْثُ أَثَرِ أَصَابِعِهِ فَصَنَعَ ذَاتَ يَوْمٍ طَعَامًا فِيهِ ثُومٍ One day he made some food with garlic in it. He sent the food over to Rasulullah Then he asked his family members when the food came back, where did the Prophet eat from? 
Show me so I can eat from there. فَقِيلَ لَمْ يَأْكُلْ They said he didn't eat. So then فَصَعِدَ إِلَيْهِ He climbed the staircase and went up to meet Rasulullah and he said, أَحَرَامٌ هُوَ That I give you something that's impermissible to eat. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ أَكْرَهُهُ I don't like it. I don't like eating garlic. There is a smell to it. Now listen to the statement of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari قَالَ فَإِنِّي أَكْرَهُ مَا تَكْرَهُ so then I dislike what you dislike. After that day, he never had garlic again for the rest of his life. This is why the Prophet ﷺ came to his house. He wasn't just a host. But in those moments, in those days, his mizaj and his personality was becoming that of Rasulullah ﷺ. One student listens to a dars, one student takes notes, the other student observes and becomes like the teacher. There's a difference between students. Not all are the same. For some, the transformation is real, that's internal. And for others, the transformation is limited in some capacity, one place or another. How does a person say instantly that I dislike what you dislike? This is only possible if your love is truly sincere. That the beloved of the beloved is also your beloved. That which is disliked to your beloved is also disliked to you. An easy example of this would be the relationship between a mother and a child. If a child says to her, says to her mom or says to his mom that, you know, that kid there, I don't like that kid. That kid pushed me in the park. What are the chances that mother will ever be able to like that child? Tell me. You guys are all young people here. I'm asking the wrong crowd. Mahmoud. It's not possible, is it? I mean, it's not possible. If someone was uh, pushed my kid, my next nasiha to that kid, my son would be, make sure you push him back. <laughs> you show that kid. We had paratha for dinner too. This is, my sheikh used to refer to this concept as mahbubgar, which means the beloved of the beloved is also your beloved. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari says that um, one time the Prophet said to me, that during that time when the Prophet of Allah was at my home, one day he said to me, you want me to teach you something? فَقُلْتُ بَلَا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Of course, teach me something. فَقَالَ مَا مِنْ عَبْدٍ يَقُولُ حِينَ يُسْبِحْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ There's not a person who in the morning says the following statement. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ but in return, Allah will write ten good deeds for you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will erase from you ten of your wrongdoings. And they will be for him the equivalent of freeing ten slaves. 
أن إلا كان في جنة من الشيطان حتى يمسي and you will be in a shield that protects you from shaitan until the evening. ولا قالها حين يمسي إلا كذلك. And then whoever says the same statement in the evening, Allah subhanahu wa taala will give you the same protection and same reward until the morning. Abu Ayyub al Ansari radiyallahu an says that one time we were with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and we were eating. And he noticed something that in the earlier part of the meal, when they were eating together, there was so much barakah. When we started eating, there was so much barakah, but then as we continued through our meal, when we made it to the end of the meal, he says there was no barakah. The food just bam, disappeared. So he said, we asked, O Messenger of Allah, كيف هذا يا رسول الله? What just happened? قال, لأن ذكرنا اسم الله حين أكلنا ثم قعد بعد من أكل ولم يسمي فأكل معه الشيطان That when we first sat to eat, everyone said the name of Allah. Then someone joined who didn't say Allah's name and then shaitan joined us and the barakah left. This unique insight this attention to detail these companions had when it came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He says that one day Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was with the companions, and a man came and he said, "O oh, Messenger of Allah, idni wa aujis, advise me and keep it brief." So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to him, "Ida qumta fi salatika fasalli salata muwaddin." That when you stand for prayer. Pray as if it is your final prayer. وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ غَدًا And do not say something today you will regret tomorrow. A lot of the pain that we feel in our heart, a lot of the anxiety we experience, actually originates from things that we said with our own tongue. Then years pass by, and for the following years, we now have to pay the price for those words. That's the weight of words. So here he's saying to him, "Wala taqallam bi kalamin." Do not say a statement. Ta'atadiru minhu ghadan that tomorrow you will regret. If a person were able to just control their tongue, you would have less to regret in life. Don't say anything. If you don't say anything, the awesome thing is, even when you're angry or when you're sad. Even when you're happy, control your words. Because the less you say, the less that will be held against you. You know, some people, they just keep talking. And every time they say something, they don't realize, even in their passive jokes, they're saying things that are unnecessary. And at some point, it just gets annoying. And the people around you are frustrated. What do they say? Who do they tell? And then tomorrow, when you look back at your own life, you're like, man, what was I thinking? Do not speak a statement that tomorrow you will regret. A person that doesn't speak, yes, it's possible later on in life people will be upset with you. But the reality is if you didn't initiate their frustration, it's not your problem. Does that make sense to you? You can sleep in peace. That when we had an interaction, I can actually count the number of statements I said, and none of them were wrong objectively. So if there's a problem that that person felt, it's something they perceived, it's not me. I can sleep in so much sukoon at night, 
because as an individual, I have cut away from speaking nonsense. But every time you tweet, every time you post something on Instagram, every time you write something on social media, you think nobody knows. It's just another comment buried away in thousands of comments. That's not what it is. Go look, at, go look back at your social media feeds for those of you who have been around long enough and look at things that you posted five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago. When you look at those things, if you're not being cute with yourself and you're being honest, what do you, use, what do you end up saying? Huh, Simon? Cringy. There you go. Man, so cringe. I can't believe I actually thought that was funny. And I'm so thankful to having people around me who coddled me even though I was an adult and didn't call me out for writing and posting stuff like this. Right? Such a powerful statement. This last Friday after Maghrib Salah when we had our community halaqa, my brother Sheikh Mubin, he spoke for those of you that were here. And he said something. He said, you know, when Rasulullah was advising Mu'adh ibn Jabal in the famous narration, he said that control your tongue. So then he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, are you saying that we will find ourselves in the fire of hell because of what we said? Right? And to that Rasulullah said, وَهَلْ يَكُبُ النَّاسُ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ فِي النَّارِ إِلَّا That what else is going to land you in the fire of hell if it's not your words? What else were you expecting it to be? A hairstyle? The deodorant you used? The toothpaste that you're using? No. It's this. This is what's going to get you in trouble right here. This is what he's telling Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anh. Abu Yubal Ansari radiallahu anh gathers this beautiful reminder that the Prophet shared. And don't be too greedy over things that people are greedy over. You know, people have you know, wealth that is in the hands of people. Just become despondent of it and give up on it. Don't bother fighting with them about those things. If everyone's fighting over something, walk away, go somewhere else. If everyone's backbiting or everyone's doing something, meaning just be okay. To become despondent, to give up on something. It's iyas. So when people are hungry and trying to fight over property, wealth, stocks, Bitcoin, I mean, get your peace, but don't compete with them. Do it in a way that's classy, do it in a way that's beneficial to you, not in competition of other people. One time, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh, much later on in his life, towards the end of his life, after Rasulullah sallallahu passed away, he spent, not even towards the end, but after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh dedicated his life to jihad. And he went everywhere. Wherever there was a need for jihad, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh was there. So in one narration he says, it's narrated by Abu Abdurrahman al-Hubali. Kunna fil bahri. We were on the ships headed out for jihad. Wa alayna Abdullah ibn Qais al-Fazari. Wa ma'ana Abu Balandi. فَمَرَّ بِصَاحِبِ الْمَقَاسِمِ وَقَدْ أَقَامَ السَّبْيَةِ فَإِذَا إِمْرَأَةٌ تَبْكِي فَقَالَ مَا شَأْنُ هَذِهِ 
قالوا فرقوا بينها وبين والدها so Abu Ayyub al-Ansari noticed that they were distributing some of the spoils of war and on the side there was this lady that was crying. So he asked, why is this lady crying? They said when they were distributing um, these spoils, they separated her from her child. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari said, where is her child? They said, over there. فَأَخَذَ بِيَدِي وَلَدِهَا حَتَّى وَضَعَهُ فِيَدِهَا he took the hand of the child and walked the child over to the mother and put the, the child's hand in the mother's hand. The one that was actually distributing the spoils of war, he didn't like it that he was kind of sidestepped in this and someone went over him. So he went to the Amir Abdullah bin Qais al-Fazari and complained. So the Amir sent a messenger to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari that come. When Abu Ayyub al-Ansari arrived, he asked him, Why did you do this? Now look at this treasure box. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, he says, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقُولُ I heard with my own ears the Prophet of Allah saying, مَنْ فَرَّقَ بَيْنَ وَالِدَةٍ وَوَلَدِهَا فَرَّقَ اللَّهُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْأَحِبَّةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Whoever separates between a mother and her child, whoever becomes a wedge or a wall between a parent and their child, Allah will separate them from their beloved ones on the Day of Judgment. All the Sahaba, all the, everyone backed away. The Sahabi of the Prophet of Allah spoke. The host of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he has spoken. One time, Miswar bin Makhraba and Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, um, they had a debate, a dispute. And their dispute was over. It was over whether a person in a haram should wash his head or not. For those of you that are familiar with the fiqh of Hajj, may understand where this dispute originates from. So, Ibn Abbas said, Yeah, he can wash his head while he's in a haram. And Mikhwar said, uh, Miswar, sorry, Miswar bin Makhrama, he said, no, uh, he won't wash his head. So then they sent someone to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari to solve their matter. That you were the host of the Prophet and you saw him up close in his journeys and also when he was home. Because Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is also Badri, he is Uhudi, he is from, he was with Rasulullah and all the mashahid and all the maghazi, every expedition, even the hajj, he was with Nabi He narrates so many narrations regarding how the Prophet of Allah combined Maghrib and Isha Salah fil jam'i, which is the other word for Muzdalifa. In Muzdalifa, how Nabi combined these two prayers. He narrates it himself. So he observed Nabi hajj. So when they asked him, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari took water poured it on his head, and he moved his hands back and forward like this, I saw Nabi doing exactly this. Because he had those inside eyes. He was able to not only host Allah, people that you'll see, and I've seen this over the years, there are some people Allah blesses them with the opportunity of khidmah or closeness to senior scholars or just elders in the community. 
And they squander the opportunity. Instead of learning something, they spend their entire time just joking and laughing with them. What a waste. If I had a dime for every time I saw this. Even when I was a student, I saw there were some people that were very close to the mashayikh. And all they would talk about was something like cricket or soccer. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But as long as a relationship then goes somewhere, that you can say that my adab has improved, my ilm has improved, I have improved as a person. If nothing's improving and all you're doing is having dinners together, I mean, there's nothing wrong on the sheikh's part or your part, but you're really missing an opportunity here. The opportunity doesn't even require you to ask a question. I say this to students all the time. When you're with scholars, you don't even need to ask questions. You just need to observe. Learn some silence. Learn from their silence. If you see them take a call and you are allowed to sit there, listen to how they advise. Listen to what they're saying. If you're in a meeting with them and you have a chance to see them, watch their decorum. See where they overcome people in the meeting and see where they step aside in the meeting. Look at their wisdom. Look at their language. Look when they joke and when they don't joke. Look at which things they laugh at and which things they don't laugh at. Look at all these things. Study them very carefully and you are on the way of actually benefiting from that other individual. Children don't even know how to do this from their own parents. Because we don't see value there. Abu Yuban Ansari radiallahu anh, he observes everything that he sees while Rasulullah is at his home and even after the Prophet leaves. In one narration, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari says that the Prophet said, أَيَعْجِزُ أَحَدُكُمْ أَنْ يَقْرَأَ ثُلُثَ الْقُرْآنَ فِي لَيْلَةٍ That is one view incapable of reading one-third of the Qur'an every night. Companions, they said, the Messenger of Allah, how do you read one-third of the Qur'an every night? That's tough. For the one that has read Surah Ikhlas, that night has actually read one-third of the Qur'an. Another beautiful gem that we learned from Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu. One time, he arrived in Basra. At that point, Abdullah ibn Abbas resided in Basra. He was in Basra too. So when Ibn Abbas heard that the host of the Prophet of Allah was in Basra, he was so excited and overwhelmed that he sent some people to go and invite him. Naturally, he was invited by the cousin of the Prophet Ibn Abbas in his own way was royalty. So then he came to visit him. So Ibn Abbas said to him, I want to do to you, host you, just as you did for my cousin, the Prophet I want to have the honor of hosting you. You are the ultimate host. Everyone that will ever host after you will be following your sunnah. So then he said to him, Kam alik, do you have any debt on you? 
So Abu Yub and Ansari radiallahu anh said, yes, 20,000. I have a heavy debt, I'm drowning it. I haven't told anyone, but my heart knows it. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anh couldn't bear the thought that the one that hosted the Prophet, the one that gave his life for serving Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is drowning in debt. Like in our words, has the Ummah died? How did this happen? So then Ibn Abbas he gave him 40,000. 20,000 for your debt and 20,000 so Abu Ayyub never has to borrow money again. وَعِشْرِينَ مَمْلُوكًا وَمَتَاعَ الْبَيْتِ tabrani Imam Tabrani rahmatullahi alayhi narrates this. And Imam Hakim does too. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu was very close to Sayyidina Ali. Ali radiallahu anh appointed him as a governor over Medina Munawwara. And even when Ali radiallahu waged war during his Khilafah against the Khawarij, this was a group of people that were troublemakers. And they kept revolting and trying to stand against Ali radiallahu anh. So he waged some very decisive wars against him. So Khatib Baghdadi says, Shahida harb al-Khawarij ma'a Ali. That Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh joined Ali radiallahu anh in the wars against the Khawarij. However, Imam Hakim narrates that when the war broke out between Ali radiallahu anh and Muawiyah radiallahu anh, he didn't join either of them. Because they were both companions of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. Lam yashhad Abu Ayyuba ma'ali fisheen. He didn't join either of the side. One time, a group of people um, came to Ali radiallahu anh. And when they met Ali radiallahu anh, they said to him, Assalamu alayka ya Mawlana. Imam Ahmad rahmatullahi alayhi narrates this hadith in his Musnad. Assalamu alayka ya Mawlana. Now there is a group of people that say, saying Mawlana is haram and it's kufr, it's shirk and you're, it's bid'ah. These guys, man, absolute knuckleheads. Here, Imam Ahmad narrates a hadith in his Musnad. Assalamu alayka. Ya Mawlana. Faqala. Kayfa akunu mawlakum wa antum qawmun arabun. So Ali radiallahu anh said, How am I your mawla? Mawla can have many meanings. Right? It could be a master, it could be a friend, it could be a freed slave, could be a master to the slave, it could be many things. So he said, Kayfa akunu mawlakum wa antum qawmun arab. That how can I be your master when you are the Arab? You are the leaders. قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ يَقُولُ يَوْمَ غَدِيرِ خُمْ مَنْ كُنْتُ مَوْلَاهُ فَإِنَّ هَذَا مَوْلَاهُ We heard the Prophet of Allah saying that whoever takes me as their leader will also take Ali as their mawla and leader too. قَالَ رِيَاحْ فَلَمَّا مَضَوْ تَبِعْتُهُمْ When the group of people after they give their greeting to Ali radiallahu on in such an honorable manner when they left, I followed the group to see who these people were. فَقُلْتُ مَنْ هَا he said, these people were all from the Ansar. And when I looked carefully, Fihim Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh was one of the people in that gathering that came to meet Ali radiallahu anh and used such beautiful words to address him and to talk to him. As I mentioned earlier, he spent his life after the passing of the Prophet alayhi salatu in Jihad. And wherever there was a need, he went there. 
he didn't like the way that Umayyads carried themselves. He didn't like it. Um, he felt that it was different. It was different from what he saw in Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. Ridwanullahi Ali Majma'i. These were people who ruled from huts. They, they ruled from simplicity. They didn't rule from palaces. The Umayyads, and there's a history here, but when they, are, when they take leadership from Sham, specifically Damascus, they are basically where the Roman Empire was established. So there are forts there, there are palaces there. They rule from within those palaces that were now empty because they were now in control of the Muslims. The senior Sahaba still didn't like the optics. So, Zakhara Abu Ayyub ala Muawiyah. One day, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari came to visit Muawiyah and he saw everything, all the palace and all the people. So then he said, Sadaqa Rasulullah sami'atuhu yaqul, Ya ma'ashir al-Ansar, innakum satarawna ba'di atharatan fasbiru. Similar riwayah is also narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud where he says, the Prophet of Allah said, a time will come that you will see people atharatan, satarawna ba'di atharatan. Atharatan means when a person gives ithar preference to themselves over others. That's what atharatan means. Meaning, instead of giving each person their due, you end up hoarding the resources. Satarawna ba'di atharatan. You will see leaders, umara and salatin do this, that they will keep the well to themselves. Fasbiru, so be patient. Muawiyah when he heard this, he wasn't too happy. He was a Sahabi too. From his perspective, the reality is that there was nothing haram that happened here. They conquered these lands, these lands had these buildings, these buildings were available, they ruled from there. There was nothing wrong that happened, he is a Sahabi. So, there was some conversation back and forward between the two. فَقَالَ Muawiyah. مَا أَجْرَأَهُ لَا أُكَلِّمُهُ أَبَدًا وَلَا يُوِينِي وَإِيَّاهُ سَقْفٌ فَخَرَجَ مِنْ فَوْرِهِ أَبُوْ أَيُّوبِ إِلَى الْغَزْبُ So Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu, he left. He left Damascus for jihad. And the son of Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, Yazid, at that time, was leading Muslim forces against the Romans. So while they were on their way to Constantinople, today known as Istanbul, originally which is what? Istanbul is a, you know, um, it's a distortion of the actual word. What was the actual name of the city? Islambul, the city of Islam, like Islamabad. Islambul, the city of Islam. They were on their way to Constantinople. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari became ill. So Yazid came to visit him. At that point, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari he asked him, Halaka min haja, is there anything I can do for you, O companion of the Prophet of Allah? So then he said to him that I have one request. Give my salam to your soldiers and tell them to keep pushing forward and don't step back. Don't stop. 
you are a khadim of the deen till your last breath. And when I pass away, take my body with you to the city of Constantinople and bury me where the army of the Muslims stands. Fafa'adu. And that's exactly what they did. When the final moments of his life came, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu an, he said, قَالَ حِينَ حَضَرَتْهُ الْوَفَاتِ قَدْ كُنْتُ كَتَمْتُ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا سَمِعْتُهُ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ There was something I heard the Prophet of Allah say that I did not share with you. Today on my deathbed I will tell you what he said. يَقُول This statement is so powerful because it shows you what he was thinking as he departed from this world. This great Sahabi, the Mujahid, the host of the Prophet I heard the Prophet of Allah say, لَوْ أَنَّكُمْ تُذْنِبُونَ لَوْ لَا أَنَّكُمْ تُذْنِبُونَ لَخَلَقَ اللَّهُ قَوْمًا يُذْنِبُونَ فَيَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ That if you did not sin, Allah would create a nation of people that would sin and then He would forgive them. Don't let your sins hold you back. He's on his deathbed. Never give up hope on Allah. Always do tawbah and istighfar. Turn to Allah every day. And with this, the great Rasulullah the Khadim who refused to walk on top of the Prophet, who ate from the trace marks of the Prophet's fingers, who spent a night cold because he did not want water to drip on Rasulullah who gave up foods that he liked because his beloved wouldn't eat them, he departed this world. Imam Waqidi says regarding his death, Mata Abu Ayyub Sanata Ithnatain wa Khamsin. He passed away in the year 52 Hijri. Wa salla alayhi Yazid, Yazid ibn Mu'awiyah led his janazah. Wa dufina bi asli hisnil qustuntuniya, buried right outside one of the main forts of Constantinople. Waqidi, I'm still quoting him. Wa laqad balagani anna ruma yata'ahaduna qabrahu. Imam Waqidi, who was a contemporary of Imam Abu Hanifa, to give you perspective. They both passed away in 150 Hijri, both of them, Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Waqidi. So Imam Waqidi, he is saying that I heard the great historian, scholar of Sira, Imam Waqidi. I heard and I have received the news that the grave of Abu, of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari has been preserved by the Romans where they are. That they take care of it and they view him a righteous man. And when they face drought, they go to his grave and then they ask their God, يَسْتَسْقَوْنَ bihi, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them rain. That was him. And today when you go to Istanbul, not too far away, small cab right away, you arrive in this neighborhood where people, there is a different barakah to them. When you, walk, when you drive into that neighborhood, I had no idea where we were. And the cab driver was driving us and I said to him, that what's this barakah in Noor? This is in 2008. And uh, he said, oh, this is the neighborhood of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh. I said, what do you mean? He said, that masjid there, that's where his grave is. So we parked over and stood in front of his grave. 
And I was thinking, man, what a legend. What a legend. And Muslims across the world, when they go to Istanbul and those who live there, for any of you who've ever been, I don't know anyone that's gone to Istanbul and not gone to give salam to Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate his maqam and may he bless us with the opportunity to live out his legacy and to continue this legacy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us by the stories of the companions and give us the tawfiq, give us the love, the divine guidance to walk in their footsteps. وصلى الله تعالى على سيدنا محمد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته